0: we are gathered as community and in the the communal idea and the unity idea of love. Love is that word that we use in so many ways, right? We say, you know, I love chocolate and I love shoes and I love my community and I love you and I love God and I love dancing and it's like, wow, one word for all of that. It's a big span, isn't it? It's a lot to hold in one word and so let's uh, take it to at least the spiritual perspective, since we don't have, you know, 100 days to talk about it at this moment in time, um, and, and look, look with a, a little bit more of a focused lens. Love is the most common, probably, single word we use across the planet when we're describing the God of our understanding. So It's just a very common way in which we not all agree, but many agree, Um, So there's that one word can be so powerful and synonymous with God, with the divine, with whatever word you choose to use. And and for uh, those of us in unity, I would venture to guess that most of us, when asked what is unity, that somewhere in our definition is the word love. Yes. Yes? Yes? Yes. That is your experience. Affirmatively so. So, so um, as we jump in here, it's into our core values series. So I'm really grateful that Holly is teaching uh, at the same time a personal core values pathway as we look at our collective community core values. And as you work with Holly, you might see where there are connections with your spiritual community's core values in your own. I hope you do. I hope you find that in alignment. So love is part of our mission statement at Unity of Walnut Creek. We say we are a loving, inclusive community. We affirm ourselves as that and always evolving into being that in its fullest expression. And again, it's the first of our four core values. So the way we describe it in our core values is like this. Love is our essence. It is often experienced as compassion, as harmony, as generosity and wholeness. As, the divine, as divine love expresses through and as us, we increase our capacity to give and to receive love. So that's just one short way of saying what we mean by love as a core value here. If you think about the world's religions and what they all hold in common, we could also find that at the centerpiece of spiritual life agreed upon by pretty much all the world's religions is love. And even our various teachings align on this idea of treating one another in the spirit of love. So... These religions that span the globe offer us a common compass, a way to find the God of our understanding through how we relate to one another and whether we choose love as our guiding light, as our north star, when we are in relationship with each other, which is always, right? can't escape it, even if you want to, <laughs> so it is the way it is. I remember uh, when I was being interviewed in ministerial school, and uh, we had to go through a psychological examination as well, and because I'm a bit of an introvert, she said, you know, how is this going to work out for you, because ministry is relationships. <laughs> I said, I'll manage. <laughs> So we have our our ways, right, of in our own unique expression, how we connect with each other, how we relate to each other, how we grow together, how we evolve with one another. So let's begin as we look at these world's religions and what they say about how to get there. Just a little snippet from some of the different places around the world. If we begin at the beginning, we go back to what scholars say is the first religion on the planet, which is Hinduism. And I'm wondering, what does Hinduism say? Irene, do you know what Hinduism says? One should not behave towards others in a way that is disagreeable to oneself. Mm, Beautiful, thank you. What about Islam? I wonder what Islam says. Oh, we know someone. Okay. <laughs> Not one of you is a believer until he loves for his brother what he loves for himself. And a proverb from Nigeria, is: when willing to take a pointed stick, into a baby bird, should first cry on himself to feel how it hurts. <laughs> Just as I am, so are they. Just as they They are, are. so am I. In a famous Jewish story, a Roman came to Rabbi Hillel and asked him to teach him the Torah while he stood on one leg. And how did Rabbi Hillel respond? That which is hateful to you, do not do to your neighbor. That is the Torah. Everything else is commentary. In ancient China, Confucius was asked, what is the one word that serves as the principle of how to conduct our lives? And Confucius replied, shu, which means reciprocity. Then he added, do not do to others what you would not want them to do to you. This became the golden rule, and it's positive. To others as they do. When Jesus was asked what is the greatest commandments f- that are in the law, he did not respond with hard rules. Instead, he responded from the heart. How did he respond? He said, "The first commandment is that you shall love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and the second is like it: love your neighbor as yourself." Thank you for the wisdom in this room. (laughs) So situated beneath these edicts of love, of this golden rule of how to treat others, and this idea of love your neighbor as yourself, what is underneath all of that is what Carrie sang about so beautifully, the idea of spiritual oneness, the idea that we are all one that we come from the same source, that we are one in our spirit. Now, our souls have unique expressions. We, we rise up out of that space. But that underpinning of the world that is in all living things, that's what brings forth this idea that we are one. And so it's a theoretical concept. It's an intellectual concept. And it's only that until we really let it sink into our hearts, When we take the journey that uh, the prayer chaplain leader Leilani Burt says, the 18-inch journey from the head to the heart, sometimes it feels a lot further, but it's only 18 inches. (laughs) When we take that journey, when we drop down into that place, then we begin to feel what it feels like to experience oneness. Then we begin to see what it's like to be that oneness in the world as we enact from that place. So if we believe that we are are uh, with the divine and each other, it's natural then that from that place we will treat everyone with equal respect, with equal kindness, with equal compassion. When we love ourselves and we love our neighbors in these ways, our lives then become a, a Palpable example, something that we can see as somebody else lives from that space. Interestingly, uh, Holly mentioned Mother Teresa, and that's the example I'm going to draw from today. In Calcutta, in India, we all know that, um, that Mother Teresa went and did much of her work. I'm sure most of us know about that anyway. And there, at that time, there were Hindus who, as a part of the caste system and the, car- and the belief in karma, Regarded poverty as an unalterable part of the divine scheme. And so when Mother Teresa came and she was there trying to relieve poverty, it wasn't very well received. They said she was interfering in divine providence. What Mother Teresa did was she just met the needs that she saw because she was acting from a place of oneness. She didn't see the boundaries and the borders that we tend to erect out of a separation consciousness that we hold. And so Mother Teresa saw one day a man lying on the steps of the temple who was very sick. He happened to be a Hindu priest, And she quickly learned that no one would touch him in the temple because he was a Hindu priest, and it was part of the culture. And so he was being left there to die. Mother Teresa scooped him up and carried him to the old abandoned hospital, or hotel, excuse me, where she cared for him and for others. And the Hindus at the temple saw what she did for their priest, and they never gave her trouble again. People throughout the world were mystified by Mother Teresa. They were mystified because her life was this constant demonstration of love, of the belief in oneness in action that didn't know, that didn't allow those kinds of boundaries, those habits of mind that humans have gravitated so much to since the beginning of time that allow us to believe somehow that we are separate and act from that idea of separation consciousness. She defied that habit of mind and that that false belief system and instead stayed in an alignment with spirit. Now, I'm sure Mother Teresa was not a perfect human being. (laughs) I'm sure there are ways that she showed up that she was evolving too, as we all are, as Jesus did, as Buddha did. None of us are are walking a perfect path. What I like to say about these teachers is they just tend not to forget, as often as we do, who we really are and what these ideas are. They tend not to fall off the wagon, if you will, of oneness, of love, of, of humanity as one family. When a Catholic priest asked if Mother Teresa attempted to convert people, She said, yes, I convert. She said, I convert you to be a better Hindu. I convert you to be a better Muslim. I convert you to be a better Protestant or a better Catholic or a better Parsi or a better Sikh or a better Buddhist. And after you have found God, it is for you to do what God wants you to do. In another interview she was asked, what do you think of gay people? And she replied, you mean beloved children of God? (laughs) And the reporter said, yeah, yeah, yeah. So what do you think of gay people? And she said, you mean beloved children of God? And the reporter asked her again. And she replied the same way again. And he finally got the point and stopped asking. (laughs) We intellectually understand religious teachings of love and kindness, but how well do we practice them? That's where we want to go with this core value of love at Unity of Walnut Creek. That's where we want to go as a a community is to our edges. So that we can love in greater and deeper ways. Because it is natural for us to do so. Because we are made of it. Because we are sourced by it. Because it runs through our veins, if you will. It is the very breath that we breathe. It is the way that we were designed to be in that alignment. To be in that understanding. And to act from it. So humans seem to be in a state of confusion often about who is our neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Is it the person that lives next door to me? Yes. Is it the person that lives on the other side of me? Yes, quite literally, our neighbor. And who else? Is it our friends? Sure. Is it the people we like? Yes. Does it stop there? Well, we might say, I all people are my neighbor except (laughs) that's where the line is right except those who don't look like me except those who don't act the way i would like them to act they don't act appropriately (laughs) you ever go there Um, except those who in this moment aren't doing what I want them to do or who don't believe like I believe. It's a big, big one in our world right now, isn't it? And it continues to drive that wedge. But guess what? We have a way to open that up. We know how to open that up with our principles, with our understanding that we are one, with the power of this love that we have accessible to us with every breath, with every beat of our heart. We live in this pool of love, in this ongoing source of love. If only we can open our eyes and see, open our hearts and feel, and move our beings into the world in the energy of love. In the midst of Black History Month in America, continued prejudice, of course, continues against black people today. If we track it back, we track it back to slavery and that cruel reality of slavery that came out of a consciousness, a certain kind of consciousness that created it. The first slave narrative was composed by an African American female author, Harriet Jacobs. It was called An Incidence in the Life of a Slave Girl. Jacobs shed light on the horrors of slavery from the female perspective, exposing the rampant sexual exploitation of masters against their slaves. And her story begins with her mistress, described as a kind and compassionate person. And the moment when she dies is when this begin- her story begins. Harriet recounts a promise made by her mistress that she would receive freedom upon her death. She says, after a brief period of suspense, the will of my mistress was read, and I learned that she had bequeathed me to her niece, a five-year-old girl. So vanished our hopes. My mistress had taught me the precepts of God's word, thou shalt love your neighbor as yourself. But I was her slave, So I supposed she would not recognize me as her neighbor. I would give much to blot out from my memory that one great wrong. As a child, I loved my mistress. And looking back on the happy days I spent with her, I try to think less with bitterness of this act of injustice. She taught me to read and to spell, and for this privilege, which so rarely falls to the lot of a slave, I bless her memory. There was no doubt in Harriet's mind that her mistress was her neighbor, and that the teachings that her mistress herself had given her were the way to live, to love your neighbor as yourself. And the only way she could wrap her head around how her mistress could Walk the teachings of, of that they shared, their religious and spiritual teachings that they shared, was to think she must not have seen me as her neighbor. She must not have known or allowed that in that she was my neighbor. Yet Harriet continued to love her neighbor, even though she was crushed by this betrayal. So while this is an extreme example of betrayal that you may never experience anything like it in your life, we've all forgotten somebody is our neighbor. We all, at time, from time to time, or at some point in our history, have forgotten that somebody was our neighbor, or maybe this morning, or yesterday, or a few minutes ago. And so it's finding that place. Who am I still leaving out of my heart? Who am I still leaving out of the circle that is considered my neighbor? Where is that except, but, they? Where is that place, other, for you? For us, our spiritual growth is there. To find the edges of your circle and go to the edges of your circle To drop into your heart and say, okay, where am I drawing that circle and who am I leaving out? And when I go to that edge, how can I find it within myself to expand my circle to include them? It's like the ripples, the concentric circles that ripple out into the world, right? Do we want to ripple out the exceptionalism? Do we want to ripple out the exclusion or do we want to ripple out the love the inclusivity, that everyone is my neighbor edict that we have been given, and to love from that place. Somebody told me this morning, you know, I dropped in and I, during the service, and I, I looked, and I realized that my circle started way out from me, and that it was me that was left out of my own neighborly loving circle. So also pay attention to that. Are you left out? Are you seeing yourself somehow as unworthy of love, judging yourself in some way? So this is our work. Where does the line stop in our love? Because that line, that wall that has been erected is by our own doing. And so we can be the ones who tear down that wall. You think of it as like the wall that separated East and West Berlin I got to visit that before it fell. And the experience of being in West Berlin and then East Berlin, if you've ever experienced that when the wall was up, was so stark. And then the wall fell, and things changed, and people came together, and there was unition. And that, you can think of these um, physical examples that help us understand from the spiritual where we might be drawing up our walls and where we can bring them down now sometimes we do this out of temporary protection and as long as we understand what we're doing and why we're doing it that this is what I can do right now and right now I need to to protect myself I feel like I need to protect myself but as long as we know that that's a temporary thing like in this moment I'm protecting myself it doesn't mean I don't love my neighbor it just means I'm not like all love in my neighbor right now, right? <laughs> and that's okay. That's discernment. That's wisdom. That's another one of our core values that we'll get to. But it is about finding the edge where we habitually are leaving people out and, and letting them in and letting the love flow through us and as us. Love is our essence. So wherever that is, we'll find that edge and grow it. There is a saying, walk a mile in somebody else's moccasins. And that does help us understand a little bit more, right? When we recognize, for one, we can't really ever totally walk in somebody else's moccasins, but we can shift our perspective a little bit to be more generous. So I invite you now to just maybe close your eyes and drop into your heart and see if anybody arises. Just asking Spirit, Spirit, is there anyone I've left out of my heart lately? Maybe it's a group of people, maybe it's a single person. Just see if there's anyone who arises, an image, a feeling, a name. Holding this person in your heart just for now, just seeing them. I invite you to let these few adapted verses of Mary Lathrop's poem, Judge Softly, be kept for them in your heart. Pray, don't find fault with the one that limps or stumbles along the road, unless you have worn the moccasins they wear. Or stumble beneath the same load. There may be tears in the souls that hurt, though hidden away from view. The burden they bear placed on your back may cause you to stumble and fall too. Just walk a mile in their moccasins. I believe you'd be surprised to see that you've been blind and narrow-minded, even unkind. Unkind. Just for a moment, see the world through their spirit and eyes before you cast a stone or falsely judge. We will be known forever by the tracks we have in, excuse me, we will be known forever by the tracks we leave in other people's lives, our kindnesses and generosity. So take the time to walk a mile in their moccasins. And so releasing our friend is blessing them and letting them go into the light, our neighbor. This poem was written by Mary Lathrop in 1895. And I have to imagine that part of it was the Native American experience because it was carried, that line was carried on by many tribes. And she mentions the reservations and the ghettos and the fullness of the poem. But it's this idea, right, that we can, while we can't actually, you know, experience exactly what somebody else experiences, we can be generous in our interpretations of their actions and their ideas and their beliefs and their words, and we can, we can be uh, willing to see that they have a different view, a different experience, and have a little compassion for that, Right? Neighborly love is free of judgment. It's compassionate. It's this practice of imagining what it's like to walk in somebody else's shoes. And we can do it all the time in, in simple ways that are part of our daily life. If you're somebody who drives a lot for work or for in everyday life or just whenever you're driving on the road, a common place where you know we've got this armor of a of a car somehow people just suddenly their worst behavior seems to come out right (laughs) suddenly you're just you're, you're humming along you're singing some new thought song you're thinking about your affirmations and somebody cuts you off right or whatever they do they hit their brakes right in front of you and there's this maybe shift for you out of that really merry place you were just in. (laughs) Anybody ever experience this? Yeah, you don't have to raise your hand. (laughs) And so what can we do in those moments but recognize I am not driving their car, so to speak. I'm not walking in their shoes. I'm not living that person's life. So I do not know where they need to get to go right now. I do not know the circumstances of their lives. And so I'll just say to myself, maybe their best friend just died, you know? I don't know what's happening in this person's life. But if we extend the most generous interpretation that we can to their actions, then we, for one thing, stay in a place of peace. And we also don't put more of that stuff out into the world. We instead are recognizing that we are in this together, that we are neighbors, that we are operating in the spirit of love together to get to where it is that we are headed. And so it's that kind of of practice, I think, that we are called into. Love is kindness. I love, Brene Brown says, clear is kind. You've probably heard me say that a lot. But it, it helps me a lot because it helps me recognize that clarity, that speaking clarity, that making clear agreements with one another, that speaking our needs helps us to operate together in a way that is fair, that somebody else knows what our, our ideas and expectations and desires are. And so it's being clear about where we're coming from, what we're thinking It's also in communication, a huge piece of it is about listening from that space, right? Listening in love, listening past the words when you get triggered by the words and listening from a place of, I am here in the presence of a neighbor that I love in the spirit of oneness, and we all make mistakes. And so whatever they just said that wasn't so skillful, I'm going to look behind it and I'm going to keep listening, and maybe to make as a general rule, we listen at least twice as much as we speak. We'll find that we learn a lot more, and it's a lot easier to come from this presence and this response that is loving. Another way that I often think about love in this relationship of our neighbors is celebration, that it is a celebration to love our neighbors. And what is it about that celebration is that recognizing that they are a unique expression, that that person's diversity actually brings a gift to our doorstep. Remember, back in the early days of diversity training, we should say, we need to teach tolerance. I tell you, it feels really good as a, as a lesbian to hear somebody say, I tolerate you. LAUGHTER like, woo, that's great. Thank you. Um, (laughs) So thank goodness we've evolved to let tolerance fall away and to recognize it's not, it's about celebration, right? It's about celebration of who we are, that the uniqueness that we bring weaves together a fabric in our society that is better, that is stronger, that is more interesting, the ministerial class I belonged to was the most diverse class in the history of unity, before or after, still. And a lot of the, the class before and after us would just kind of look at our class and say, wow, you all just kind of always have this sort of unity about you. <laughs> interesting, isn't it? Because sometimes they had, you know, clashes in their, and, and we just, we really didn't have that. I mean, we had discussions, we had differences of opinion. I remember a really big one when it was about, were we going to wear robes at graduation or not? Had we not had such a diverse class, we wouldn't have known that the two people that came from communist countries were against the idea of all looking the same and wearing the robes. But we couldn't get there until we had deeper and deeper discussions and realized, oh, it's that walk that you took in your moccasins that tells you, I don't want to be the same. I came here for a unique expression. (laughs) And so it was a beautiful coming together and a learning for all of us because we were diverse. And so it is because we have diversity and we celebrate that diversity that we grow, that we deepen, and that we offer the world a better, sweeter, more powerful gift. So celebration, not tolerance. Respect, authenticity, true welcome, that's what it's about for us to grow and grow and grow as a community that is loving and inclusive. And if everybody in this room says, you know, this week, I'm going to explore where my edges are. I'm going to go out to the edges of my circle, and I'm going to look and see, could I just increase that circle a little more and let a few more people in? If we all did that, imagine how much more love there's going to be in the world just this week because of our spiritual practice here, because of a core value that we have claimed and therefore, it's not just on paper, it's a, it's a lived value. A neighborly love, that's what we're about. All humans are our neighbors. All living beings are our neighbors. And so to love them is to include them in our hearts. To love them looks like kindness, looks like compassion, looks like celebration. Let's affirm it together. It's coming. <laughs> My neighbors are all living beings, and I love them with kindness, compassion, and celebration. So it is.